Well, uh, I want to say hi to everybody, but uh, everyone needs to be identified. So let me, let me help identify everybody. I've got people with me in, in this actual room that I'm in, and uh, they're going to make themselves known right now, right? Okay. Yeah. But everyone with me needs to know that there's people other places. And so there's folks on phones and tablets and TVs. There's folks at East. There's folks all over the place. And so uh, I'm going to try to talk to, to all of us. But you need to know that as I talk, we have a church that is okay with being all over the place because our mission is that you would know who Jesus is. And so enjoy that, enjoy where you're at, and we're gonna go after a series, but I actually have to ask you a question because I'm concerned that my kids aren't gonna know about something. It's called the merry-go-round. Uh, if, if you've ever seen a merry-go-round in a playground, I'd like you to raise your hands. It, like, okay, oh good. So uh, if you've never seen a merry-go-round, if you're like, oh, that's at the, the, the fair, or the circus, oh no, those aren't the good ones. Uh, the good ones are these. Now, I, I don't fully know the or, original intent with these. Uh, I think it was that, that like pleasant children would, would stand on this and, and, and grab some part of that and would slowly turn and just would be like, this is amazing. Um, that's not how we treated it in any way whatsoever. Uh, we would try... And see, some of you are gonna, you're gonna hate me right off the bat. Okay, uh, we, would, we would trick kids to get onto this thing <laughs> by offering, hey, would you, would you like us to push you? I mean, and most people were like, you do that for me? They're like, yes, I will do that for you. And you already know what we would do is we would get them there and spin them so fast that either, either throw up happened, which it happened, and we thought we were winning, uh, uh, or an injury would happen, or occasionally we'd stop pushing it and a fight would ensue, and we all would uh, not enjoy it. And so if you've ever been on a merry-go-round, uh, typically they're, they're a blast if you've ever either spun someone around or been on it. Now let me tell you, I'm gonna teach you an observation that, that our, our children won't ever know about, probably. The merry-go-round was always fun until you were stuck on it. It was always like one of the best playground things that you could ever have until someone wasn't letting you off of it and you were either falling off of it or losing your lunch. If you ever found yourself stuck on it and your only option was to jump off of it, it no longer was fine. Now, uh, based on my research, I believe there were some lawsuits in New Jersey that led to a pretty much a removal or a lack of putting these things in playgrounds as often as they are not. Now, there are some, there are smaller ones where kids like myself can't like spin you too much. Uh, there's also like rubber padding all over the place and we had gravel and uh, they, they just aren't all over the place anymore. However, the purpose of this series is I think they do still exist. I still think that you and I have merry-go-rounds in our lives that we're having a difficulty getting off of. They're, they're spinning us, someone or something is spinning it. And let me give you some examples. If, you, if you've ever been hurt and you couldn't get over that hurt, it just, it just kept coming up over and over and over and over again and you're like, I wanna get over this, 
but it feels like I'm just spinning in this hurt. If you've ever tried to be everything to everyone around you, and you feel like that's your daily routine, it's like you gotta get up and help this person do that, and there's this constant like, how do I get off of this merry-go-round? If you've ever had a fear that seems to dominate your thought process, and you're like, do I just stay afraid of that, or can I win in this? So this series is gonna be all about what merry-go-round are you possibly on right now, and how do you stop the spinning so that you don't have to live that kind of a life? So uh, I've got some stories, but the whole series is rooted in scripture, and so I wanna read the scripture. So if you're a part of the whole series, or maybe you're gonna miss one week, uh, I want you to remember this, because this is why we're doing this. I don't really understand myself. Many of us should be just amening that really loud. That's odd, but anyways, I don't really understand myself, and here's what he's saying. For I wanna do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I'm gonna talk about the uh, merry-go-rounds that you should stop. I'm not hating on you or trying to shame you in any way. I'm saying there are things that you, you need to be involved in and stopping the process in your life that is making you sick. So, we're gonna talk about the first one. Hmm. The merry-go-round of comparison. I will not make you raise your hand on this one if you are guilty. Um, I definitely would. I grew up as a pastor's kid, so not only did I compare myself to others, I was compared to others. It was a wonderful childhood. Actually, it was a good childhood. I don't want to paint a bad picture. But many of us have something in our life that we're comparing ourselves to someone or, or something else. And so we gotta talk about this because it is actually consuming many of us and robbing us of all ounce of joy. In fact, Teddy Roosevelt, technically Theodore Roosevelt, I understand. Our dog's name is Teddy Roosevelt. I don't know why I'm telling you that, but just anyways, it's in my head right now. Uh, comparison is the thief of joy. If you've ever found yourself going through a day, oftentimes the way the day went was okay, but you hated it because it didn't compare to what you wanted it to be, comparison. Now, if you've ever looked at how you want your life to go, you probably have a picture of it. I did. So let me, let me share some stories with you that, well, frankly, you can just use against me or however you want. Uh, many of us, at some point in our life, thought about getting engaged, right? You, you've dreamt of that moment, maybe. Uh, my wife had a whole book that she had made that I was unaware of while we dated. <laughs> but I, even, even as a guy, I thought about how, how I would get engaged, like the moment, right? Obviously, it was more than just a ring. I wanted to make it a moment. In fact, I had a buddy, and, and I, I hate him to this day, because uh, he's like, well, I'm getting engaged, and we're like, what are you gonna do? And he's like, oh, well, I, I wrote a song for her. We're like, so that's new standard. Uh, wrote a song. He sang the song to her. He played the song on a piano. See, I'm way above my eye could play a song for someone. And, and then he told us how he like, made this incredible, he made the dinner. Of course he made the stinking dinner. Sang the song, epic moment, got down on one knee. So these, these are my close friends, right? These are guys that, that were, ended up being in, in my wedding. And that set the standard. So let me tell you about how I got engaged because it's not awesome in any way. So... I wasn't gonna make a meal, but there was a restaurant, a particular restaurant that Katie and I, had, I mean, we had lots of memories, it was awesome, so 
So I called the restaurant up. Like, <coughs> I'd like to use your restaurant to propose to my girlfriend. And they're like, this is awesome. I was like, I know it's awesome. And so all the wait staff was set up. The whole night we showed up, we, they gave us a special table. It was gonna be awesome. I wrote a note. I couldn't write a song. I can't sing, work anything. I can't play an instrument. But I thought, I will write this note. And at the end of the note, it will say, um, Katie, please look at me. Kind of like giving her direction. So we're sitting there. I can tell the staff is like waiting on me as we're eating, going through the meal and everything. We finally get like through the dessert and I can tell that they're all looking at me and I'm like, this is gonna be awesome. I took out the note, it was in an envelope, slid it over to her and like, this is about to be it. The problem was I did not predict the next moment. She said, I'm not reading this here. And I'm thinking, well then you, I didn't say this out loud, well, then you can never read it. Because as soon as you read this, it's like a domino effect. I have to be on a knee ready to propose to you. So we got in a little bit of a fight. It was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. We begin to argue a little bit. of like, no, sweetie, open the notes. Eventually, and I'm not joking here, eventually, I gave up. Because I'm like, so the only thing I know to do is to pay for the meal and to get up from the booth and walk out the restaurant. So we did. I did the walk of shame. I'm like, like glancing at workers going, and they're like, oh no. It, they feel bad for me. And again, another moment that I didn't predict. I opened the door for her to the car because that's, I want to be a gentleman. What I did not anticipate was that by the time I got to my door, she would open the envelope. At the time, I owned a 1999 Volkswagen Passat. This is what our engagement looked like. Me sitting there, her sitting in the other seat, I'm mad at her, but now I have to propose, so I do. She says yes, and we went home to my parents' house where they had prepared a celebration, and neither one of us were really in the mood because I was mad, this was all awkward, and it didn't go the way we wanted it to. So for those of you who have epic engagement stories, good for you. I wish it got better, uh, we got married. And, and again, I hope this doesn't step on toes, but we, we had hired a, a friend of the family to do pictures for the wedding. <sighs> Still a little upset about this. I was going to show you wedding photos. Problem is, we only have two. <laughs> now, we have some, like, from these disposable cameras that were taken at the the old VFW that we had a reception at that was all that we could rent and you could see some of the guys in the back bar that weren't even a part of the wedding. It was absolutely awesome, very picturesque. Uh, so if you ever come to our house and like, hey, can I see your wedding photos? The answer is no. It's just flat out no or yes, this will take a second. Here, here's, here it is. What I'll tell you though is Katie and I, we've been married for 17 years. 
We are madly in love. Like, I think we might be more in love now than we were then. But if you get caught up in comparison, you can think that your life is heading a direction that it's actually not heading. You can begin to look at the lives and expectations that you've got set up of others and you're, you're comparing and you're looking and you're like, here's how this has to play out. And then when it doesn't play out, you might think that you're doomed and I'm gonna tell you, I am a living example of it doesn't have to doom it unless you stay in comparison. If you stay in comparison, you, you won't be able to enjoy the moment. So uh, let, let me give you a little bit of a working understanding if you don't already have it. I think most of us know, yeah, comparison's not, not great. Well, here's why. It's because other people's blessings become threats to you. You see someone get blessed by, by God. You see something like, wow, like you won that or you got that. And some of us are like, that's great for you. See, it's hard. Like if you're living in comparison, you're going to constantly see things as threats. Achievements become competitions. We're like, oh, you got a promotion? That's sweet. Just wait for me, right? We begin to look at people, like human beings, as someone to compete against so that I have to beat you, and if I'm able to beat you, then we can be in relationship. When you're thinking, wait a minute, I don't think that works. But that's how comparison does. And then most of us are aware that satisfaction is incredibly temporary when we're comparing. You might actually win, but that win doesn't satisfy you as long as you'd hoped it would. So I'll take you to Scripture. Scripture teaches us all kinds of stuff about this, and I've been using the word comparison, but Scripture brings up a bit more of a direct word here. For wherever there is jealousy... I'm just going to stay there for a second. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you'll find disorder and evil of every kind. Whew. What, if, what if jealousy is the issue that's causing a disruption in your life? Most of us are like, well, I'm not jealous. Do you know what people have said about jealousy? It's it's one of the only sins that you literally can get nothing from. Not even a moment of satisfaction. Most of us don't say, hey, mom and dad, I found the, the greatest boyfriend. He's very jealous. It's been awesome. Most people would say, you want to be as far away from a jealous person as you can be. They're not fun to be around. They're, they're just a struggle nonstop. So where does this start? I'll tell you where it starts. Comparison starts with the desire to feel significant. You have a genuine desire in your life to feel significant. That's not bad, by the way. You want to feel that. You want to wake up and feel like I am a significant person. But it usually ends with jealousy or arrogance. It usually ends with uh, feeling inferior or superior to another person. And you and I have to stop this spinning. I'll show you more in Scripture because I think it's helpful. Just for those of us who need references, I think Scripture is such a foundational thing for our lives. We've got to know where it says it in the Bible. Be, uh, pay careful attention to your own work. I mean, if you're a teacher, you're like, amen. Uh, I was told this regularly. Pay careful attention to your own work, your own work, your own work. You're going to see a theme in this if you haven't already caught it. Pay, pay careful attention to your own work. For then, for then, that means if you don't, 
then this doesn't happen. For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. If right now you feel like you are completely failing at life, if you're like, I just can't seem to do anything right, if you've ever said that, at least inside, it's probably not true, and it probably means that uh, you're comparing. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. Scripture teaches us this. So let me take you to a place, uh, an experience with Jesus. Uh, Jesus has so much to teach us, and, and if you don't know us as a church, we're trying to imitate Jesus as best as possible, and there's a moment with Jesus that brings up a lesson for you and I all about comparison. So, so let, me, let me take you into it. After this, Jesus traveled on Galilee. He wanted to stay out of Judea. Why? Well, where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. That sounds like a, a brilliant idea. Who wants to go die on purpose? Uh, but, but soon, it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters, and Jesus' brother said to him, leave here and go to where they want to kill you. Leave here, go to Judea, where your followers can see your miracles. They're like, you got some stuff to do. You keep reading, and I'll, I'll show you. You can't become famous if you hide like this. You see a bit of their agenda. If you, if you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world, for even his brothers didn't believe in him. Now, okay, it's a part of my job to make sure that we all understand what scripture is trying to teach us, what lesson there is to learn from God. And so here's what the disciples are saying to Jesus. This is not good, by the way, but this is what they're saying. In order to matter to people, Jesus, in order to actually have respect from people, you have to perform for them. And many of us right now, because that's horrible advice, by the way, many of us right now wake up with the agenda of performing well enough so that we can be received well. So we can feel significant. It's horrible advice. They're giving him horrible, like, hey, we're trying to teach you something. No, no, their, their agenda, I don't think was um, impure in a sense of like malicious. I think they just felt like he needed the approval of other people in order to actually do all that needed to be done. So these, they're like, perform, show off. And if you, if you apply this to your life, you're gonna probably find things about yourself that there are people in your life that you're not in a relationship with. You're a performer for them. Go back and, and, and we'll highlight this, but for, for even his brothers didn't believe in him. So, so they didn't believe in him yet. They didn't understand him yet. So, so I wonder for you, let's, let's, make this, let's take this Bible verse, and instead of it just being a Bible verse, they're like, okay, so this is about Jesus and his brothers. This is about some ancient thing. What does this teach us? I think you ask yourself questions out of this. What am I trying to prove, and, and who am I trying to prove it to? If you want to like, not dance around religion, and, and you want to live life that that imitates Jesus, you have to ask questions like this of yourself, not of others of yourself. What are you trying to prove and, and who are you trying to prove it to? If you answer those questions, you might get uh, the wrong answer, but the wrong answer can lead you to the right answer. You have to be willing to ask this kind of stuff to mess with the toxicity in your life, comparison. So let's look at Jesus and what he did because he's really awesome and 
gives us a lot of lessons here. Jesus replied, uh, now is not the right time for me to go. But you can go anytime. He's not hating on like where. He's just saying, that's, that's not for me. You, you, verse eight, uh, you go on. I'm not going to this festival because my time has not yet come. Apparently, Jesus has locked into, I do not need to perform for you or others. Jesus seemed to know what he was all about. You can go to John 3.17, not John 3.16. The Bible keeps going, by the way, (laughs) after John 3.16. And it's really good stuff. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Just more evidence in scripture that Jesus had locked onto, I know why I'm here, I know what I'm about, so I don't have to perform for other people. Meanwhile, most of us have social media accounts. <laughs> I mean, uh, but before you think I'm hating on social media, I have my own social media account. If you were to ever visit any of them, it's gonna, you're going to have the perception, David's life is pretty easy uh, and awesome, and his kids are always perfectly behaved. They aren't. So here's what I've learned with social media. Because I'm leery of this for my own kids. Okay? Here. Uh, if you aren't careful... You'll prove something that isn't true in your pursuit to compare and to project something that's actually not true. You could accidentally prove something that is a false standard for yourself to keep that now you have to hold yourself to the false standard. You following that? See, many of us are trying to prove something that doesn't even exist and we now find ourselves in a trap, a merry-go-round, of going, I don't know how to get off of this because on social media, uh, my, my friends, what everyone sees about me has this kind of look to it, so I don't even know how to tell people how to live in community and to tell them what really is going on. If you've ever had a breakdown in any kind of relationship, yet a fear to share that with anyone else, it's typically rooted in what are others going to think? They're gonna see that what I've portrayed has not been accurate. And social media has amplified this to where now we feel like even though we aren't celebrities, we feel like we have to hold ourselves to a standard that's incredibly dangerous. So how do we break out of it? That's how I want to end the sermon. How do we break out of this? How do you not live a life that's rooted in comparison? Well, you have to understand this. Everyone wants to matter to someone, okay? So how do we land here? What what does this mean? How do I actually... Own this. Step one, remember who you are. Now here's the problem. I'm not sure we all know who we are. So I have a couple anchor points for you. Either take a picture or write it down or screenshot, whatever you want to do, but here, you need to know who you are. For we are God's masterpiece. If you forget this or don't know this, you're going to feel like you have to be someone else's masterpiece that they have to approve of, of you. For, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Let me take you to another place. Galatians deals with, uh, if you've ever messed up at all. <laughs> but, but when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us. 
who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. You, you got to know who you are. You got to know your purpose. Bob Goff, if you ever read any of Bob Goff's books, the man has no attention span whatsoever, but can write great books. If you, want, you should read them. We won't be distracted by comparison if we're captivated with purpose. If you know your purpose, if you know who you are, you're not going to get so caught up in comparison. That's why I, I want you to remember the verses that I shared with you. It's not just to make the sermon land. It's, it's so that we actually can land our lives and get off of the merry-go-round. Now, here's the next one, because that's what you need to know, but here's what you need to do. Celebrate other people's blessings. I think this is where we're actually the weakest. We, we don't know how to celebrate. Now we're like, well, I got, a, I got a certain amount of people. What if you celebrated the blessings of some of your enemies? Just for a second, let that land a little bit. Someone that you actually are annoyed by. What if you made it a part of your day, even though you're like, well, that'll seem fake. It's not fake if your intention is to get out of the sin of comparison. You actually say, okay, I'm going to try to celebrate people's blessings. So here's what you do in life daily. Look at what God is doing in other people's lives and celebrate it with them. It is absolutely from the Bible. I'll show you. Be happy with those who are happy. It does not quantify, it doesn't say as long as you like those people. It doesn't say as long as those are nice people or not jerks. Be happy with those who are happy. Now we know and weep with those who are weep. Oh yes, if they're sad, I'll hug them. Or maybe not, I'll, I'll hug them from afar. But, but listen, we've got to be good at this. If you don't want to be trapped by comparison, be happy with those who are happy. So here's where we landed. Because I'm a highly competitive person. Probably too competitive. If you're competing with everyone, it's hard to celebrate with anyone. If you're looking in life and looking at what they have, what they look like, what they own, what they've achieved, what's going on there, what their wedding pictures look like, what, what, what their engagement story was like, what happened to them. If you're always looking and trying to compete, there's no way you're gonna be able to celebrate them. And we're called to imitate Jesus Christ. So the merry-go-round of comparison, if you don't do something about it, you will be ruled by it and stuck on it. So let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, meet us in this moment. Lord, I believe that you want to do a work in each of our minds. So Lord, would you, whatever area of our life that we are comparing ourselves to other people, Lord, would you help us find freedom from that? Lord, would you let us own, help us to own that you love us, that you've adopted us, that you are walking with us, that we are your masterpiece, that we matter to you, and that just a relationship with you is enough. And Lord, for those around us, bring to light, help us to see what we should celebrate. We pray this in the name of Jesus, who gave us the model. Amen.